to Battle Red Radio. I'm Matt Weston, and tonight I'm joined by the biggest, the fattest, the drunkest of them all, our good pal BFD. How are you doing tonight, man? That's me weeping, by the way. That's as good as I can do is crying. I'm the, like the worst actor ever. Yeah. Just, just the worst. Well, the sun's already finished setting, so you can't look at that glowing bronze light and be like, ah, well, it's the springtime, right. and then romantically cry, you know? Right. Yeah. No. So last. Hi, Matt. Yeah. How's it going? So last <laughs> Friday, last Friday, last Thursday, I think it was last Thursday, the Texans traded Brandon Cook, traded for Brandon Cooks, and they gave up the 57th overall pick, and they also received a 2022 fourth round pick by doing so. Cooks has a cap hit of eight million dollars this year. The Texans can release him next year and pay him exactly. Zero dollars, and then he has cap hits of like 12 million, 14 million, 14 million. And the Rams end up paying an eight million dollar roster bonus by you know, trading Cooks to Houston, pay the rest of his guaranteed money, and it took a cap hit of like a dead cap hit of like 24 million dollars for making this trade. So, by the Texan standards, the acquisition of Brandon Cooks was underwhelming because this wasn't as exciting as trading Jadavion on Clowney or DeAndre Hopkins or trading for Larry Tunsil. But for more, most franchises, this would be an enormous, interesting decision. And for Houston, this is just the new normal. It's just another day in uh, Houston Texans land. But despite this, there's a lot to unpack here. And the first thing I want to talk about is Cooks as the player. So Cooks in 2018 and 2019 were two entirely different players. And if you look at the numbers, Cooks still played in 14 games in 2018. Uh, there's not like a dramatic difference in games play, but there are for statistics. And so in 2018, Cooks had 80 catches for 1,204 yards, which was 15.1 yards a catch. His average depth of target was uh, 15.1 yards as well. He had 70 first downs too. In 2018, he had 42 catches for 583 yards, 13.9 yards a catch. And his DVOA dropped from 21.5%, which is 12th, to 0%, which is 46th. And his DYAR from 313, which was 10th, to 71, which is 49th. And so this is, so this will be his age 27 season. What was the difference in like what happened at Cooks between 2018, 2019 to go from being like a fringe top 10 receiver to one of the, maybe one of the 50 best receivers last year? Um, I'm going to go straight to, I think kind of the heart of the matter of, of this entire trade is that Brandon cooks got his fifth concussion last year in the NFL. And I think what we've seen is we've seen him. I mean, there's just no easy way to put it. And, and I, you know, you guys know, or, you know, y'all know that I've talked about my concussions here on, on BRR, but they pile up, you know, they, um, you just don't have a concussion and get over it. They pile up. And I think what happened was, is, and I'm, I'm so grateful that you've got the, uh, the stat on here, but after he got his concussion in Cincy, he went 15 for 37 for hundred, you know, 15 catches on 37 targets for 181 yards. I mean, I, I start to question when I see that kind of line, I start to question, is there something wrong with his eyesight? Is there something wrong with his, his balance? Is there something going on with his confidence even? So when I see that drop in the stat line or, or those numbers kind of fall off, and, and I'm going to go back in a moment and talk about uh, yards per catch too, is that what I see is I see somebody who is not physically capable of doing what they need to do. And, you know, all the, Jared Goff wasn't all of a sudden like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. He wasn't great last year. But Sean McVay does a heck of a job scheming his guys open. That includes Brandon Cooks. He, he, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, the Rams are one of the best teams at creating uh, space at the ends of routes, and Cooks could not do that. In fact, he was the worst at creating space at the end of routes. 
uh, on separation. So see, I even get a little bit nervous talking about it, but to me, when I see those kinds of numbers, nervous isn't the right word. It's upset. I get worried and upset when I see that, that I think there's a lot going on in Brandon Cook's body that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the players talking about that Cincinnati game, Cooks was, he ran a post route against cover three and the middle mm-hmm. of the field safety drove on it and hit him high, but it didn't look like the initial hit is where the, is when the concussion happened. But you know, Cooks is a little guy. He's six foot hundred. He's five foot 10, 180 pounds. And uh, he got spun and fell on the back of his head. And then, like you mentioned, the numbers from that game on, he had 15 catches on 37 targets for 181 yards. And you know, he disappeared entirely last season. He was a ghost. And this is Cooks' fifth concussion as well, too. Um, you know, last year, I do think part, he only had one really good game, and that was against Cleveland. And he had, you know, eight catches for 112 yards and 14 yards of catch in that game. Uh, but one of the problems that the Rams did have, you know, if we're not talking about his injury history at all, was that they replaced the entire interior of their offensive line. So they no longer had an all-time great rushing attack. Todd Gurley never looked right last year. And Goff is kind of like Drew Brees in the fact that he can't play without a clean interior pocket. Like, Goff gets really scared of, of interior pressure because he doesn't have that. He doesn't have the athleticism to get away from it and run away from it and break tackles in the pocket. And he also doesn't have the footwork to be able to calmly step away from pressure or step up in the pocket and make throws. And so whenever you watch Goff last year, he dealt with a lot of interior pressure and he's stepping like way diagonal. He's falling backwards. He's, you know, he's throwing from these really funky arm angles. And yeah, I do think Cook's got open before his concussion downfield, but Goff just didn't have the perfect pocket to be able to deliver a lot of throws that he made in 2018. And so I do think Cook's production dropped off came from, you know, one, the concussions, um, and especially that one after Cincinnati because he disappeared entirely last year after that happened. And then two, like the Rams just as an offense weren't nearly as good last year. And that was the direct result of their interior pass protection. And, you know, the the problems that golf has whenever he deals with interior pressure. Yeah, and those are great points. Is that that was an altogether different team. I, we, we saw... Last year was kind of for me with when it comes to the Rams. It was kind of a this is a teaching moment about the importance of having a good offensive line, and, and we talk about it all the time in here. You know, the two most important things when you're a football team are getting the opposing quarterback dirty and keeping your quarterback clean. And so uh, that fell apart for the Rams last year. So I think those are all great points. I think you know they did struggle offensively. They couldn't get the run game going. Couldn't get the play action going. Has the things you mentioned, but. Still, Robert Woods didn't fall off a cliff. Yeah, and I mean, like, but again, that comes from that fifth concussion, though. You know what I mean? Like, he had a he had a drop off up to that point, and that was kind of the result of the offense. But he disappeared and dropped off a cliff because of that fifth concussion. He had that injury. You know, Woods was healthy all of last year. Cooper Cup was healthy all of last year. Higby had a really great season last year, and you know, Cooks didn't over sixteen games because of that injury he had. And so, like, the concern here for the one of the big concerns of this trade uh, from a Texans, you know, perspective is just the fact that what are you going to get out of Cooks going forward? Like, is he going to be able to play like he did in 2018? Because if he, even if he does play like he did in 2018, you know, there's an interesting question to ask. Like, would you rather just have that pick number 57 and not pay him $8 million, even if you could have a player like that because of the talent you already have at the receiver position, too? Um, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But like, let's say Cooks is healthy next season. And you know, Cooks as a player, he's a really great deep threat. Since 2016, he's caught 2,034 yards on deep throws. And these are throws over 15 yards to the air. He has 62 catches, 139 targets, and 9 touchdowns. He's fourth in the NFL in deep passing receptions. Um, what's fun about the way he runs deep routes is he's great running out of like a wide alignment and also from the slot. So he's good at running like slot fades, but he's also good at running, running a slot and then run like an out and up. And he's really good at using speed to create separation to, and he kind of really is really good at waiting for cornerbacks to get out of their break and to start turning and running. He's able to cut those off too and turn those into easy comeback catches. My favorite route he runs is a corner route. He runs a really great corner, especially against like cover four and that sort of thing to occupy the safety and get that cornerback to pass and then cut back behind him as well too. And uh, he, so like he's mainly a, a really great like deep receiver when he's healthy, especially in New England. New England, that was pretty much his role entirely was just making deep catches down the field. 
And then Los Angeles, they used him a lot more on shorter routes and jet sweeps and screen passes. A lot of his short receptions mainly come from going up against off-man coverage. Like whenever you watch Will Fuller play, he's not like really kind of creating separation out of a break against press man and catching like boxing somebody out and catching a slant route. He's just like running curls against off-man. He's running out routes against off-man. And Brandon Cooks is really similar to that as well too. Well, and that's one of the things that's also befuddling about this trade is is we've got Brandon Cooks on the roster and he's named Will Fuller. Oh, and he's also named uh, Kenny Stills. He's also kind of named Kiki Cutie in a lot of ways. The difference is Brandon Cooks is, has done a lot more outside, and he certainly has a better injury history when it comes to the soft tissue injuries, as as you and I talked about, you know, before we started the show tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we've got this guy is already on the roster, and which is again befuddling. I love that word to me about making this trade. Uh, would you rather have the 57th or would you rather have a guy who's hitting his, I think it's his age 28 season with five concussions. 20, yeah. Is it 27? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, I, it's, I, I feel like he's 31. I feel he's been in the league forever. Oh yeah. You know, oh, yeah. 2012 seems like a decade ago, which it almost is, but it almost is. We're so as far as that goes, it, we, we didn't, we didn't add a dimension to the team. What we didn't already have. And so, I think UT put it the best is like, this is a, this is a dad workaholic dad who, who like goes out and buys his daughter a horse because, you know, he's not around anymore and he needs to make up for some prior regressions. I mean, that's what this trade seems to be to me. Yeah. We got rid of Hopkins. Don't we have a plan. Don't worry about it. And your plan is here's your brand cooks now. Uh, and the Hopkins trade is really important because like you mentioned, cooks is similar to Will Fuller. And so for first down receptions since 2016, Hopkins has 275 uh, first down receptions, which is the third most in football behind only Julio Jones and Michael Thomas. And we're looking at a difference here of like nine first downs. Cooks has 176, which is 17th. Now this is more than you'd expect. I would expect for him to have a lot less than 176, but like he's been, you know, kind of sort of a pseudo number one receiver and a lot of his receptions become first downs because they're mainly deep down the field or they're wide open screen passes, those sort of things too. So what Houston really misses though, and what they currently have with their wide receiver position is they have a lot of downfield receiving options, but they don't have that guy who can consistently go out and get first downs. And so I've seen some people compare the Texan strategy, maybe what Kansas City does, where it's about speed, it's about verticality. But what the Texans don't have is as good as Fuller and Cooks are, they're not generational talent. They're not Tyreek Hill. And they're not playing an offense that does a great job at creating other guys open with this speed. And the other thing is they don't have a player like Travis Kelsey. They don't have a third down safety blanket on third and long. So if you're if it's third and eight and you have Kelsey in the slot, you pretty much have a first down there, you know, 75% of the time. And the Texans lost that by training DeAndre Hopkins. And so I think it's a great point by you know what you said with Cooks and Fuller is that they have redundancy here. They have redundancy with Cooks, with Fuller. And I think Stills is maybe like, what, 80% of Fuller and Cooks. You know, he's never done it entirely, but they're kind of similar where he's a speed kind of downfield guy. And they're, it's just all too, too similar, you know? Yeah, and I, I just think one of the questions we got just now, I don't know if you had the, the Twitter machine open, but Pastor Rick asked this question. It seems we need a contested ball receiver, a go-to receiver when it's third and five with a minute left on the final scoring drive. It will be clutch. Is that receiver on the team? I mean, and it the answer is it, it mm-hmm. isn't. I mean, are you going to count on Daniel Fells to make that? Are you going to count on one of the Jordans to make that? Right, because well, I think Randall Cobb is supposed to be that is the idea. Yeah. You know I mean, I, I'm not saying it's, <laughs> that's what it is, but that's the idea here by giving him, you know, Nine million a year and having him play oh in the slot. God, man. how can you give him nine? I just don't. Oh, I can't wait till we start talking about money later, Matt. I cannot <laughs> wait. But uh, the the answer is no. We don't have we don't have DeAndre Hopkins on this team anymore. Who's gonna who caught has caught, you know, uh, two hundred seventy five first downs in in his career. I mean, we don't have well that since guy. sixteen even. That's just since, since two thousand sixteen. Yeah. Because I just went with Cooks's sophomore year whenever he became a vile part of the offense um, in New in New Orleans that year. Well, I guess he was a vile part in 2015, but I don't know. 16 seemed a little bit cleaner or whatever. 
Um, the other thing in that question past Rick up was the one thing I want to bring up too. So like Cooks, he doesn't really like he doesn't run slants against press coverage. He doesn't run like deep digs or drive drive routes at all. Um, like a lot of his open stuff that he gets on for first downs and shorter stuff is again like the cornerback's eight yards off of him, and he uses his speed to create those throws. The biggest thing that Cooks can do though is he's not go up and get receiver. If you have a contested catch up there, he's not going to make that play. Uh, cornerbacks, even like Zaire Alexander of Green Bay, he's five foot ten. You know, he's not an. Or I think yeah, Alexander's five foot ten, and he went up and jumped over Cooks multiple times in 2018 and Cooks's you know peak year in Los Angeles and made plenty of plays against him at the catch point. And so for Cooks, like everything's with speed, he, and he has to be open to make the catches that he makes too. It's not a situation where he's gonna outleap a guy or box anybody out. These are all throws where he runs a great route and uses his speed to get open. Yeah, and I also think one other thing that stood out to me about Cooks is his hands are smaller than mine. That's cute. Which is, I don't have the biggest hands in the world, y'all. You know, <laughs> just saying. And and he's got smaller hands than I do. So for a wide receiver, yeesh. I mean, it's worked for him for every year before last year, you know? Right, Like, he's right. a very good receiver. And there's no question all about that, but the questions come along with concussions and where he fits in with this offense. And one of the things I really liked about going into last year with this team was you think, okay, well, they have Hopkins, Fuller, Stills, and Cutie. Those are four players aside from, you know, Fuller and Stills are kind of redundant. But, like, Stills is an awesome fourth wide receiver. Like those are four receivers with all entirely different skill sets. And that's how I felt going into the 2019 season. It didn't play out like that. But on paper, that was one of the things that was, you know, kind of exciting about the Texans offense last year entering the season. And now with this wide receiver group, there isn't that sort of situation. Like, it's not like how Kansas City is. It's not like how some of these other teams are where they have a receiver with, like, an exact specific role. I think New England did a really great job with how they used him in 17 as well, where, like, Cooks had this very specific role. So did Elderman, so did Gronk, and so did their pass-catching backs on the backfield. Like, everything you know, really made sense and was nice and square with that uh, 17 New England team that lost to Philly. Yeah, and it's all about—Matt's kind of hit on it, but it's all about having the complementary pieces to your team. Like, you don't want four guys who do the same exact thing, and that's what we're looking at for a wide receiving car— Throw in DeAndre Carter to that too. I mean, what else does he do? Yeah, you know, all we all we need to do is bring back. Uh, oh God, Eagles catch. God, I can't remember his name. All of a sudden, anyway, not with Star Gene. Um, uh, but well, the, Vincent Smith is well. He's Vincent tall. Smith, thank he's you. tall. At least he's six foot one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Limestone State University greatest. <laughs> but I think he'd be the tallest wide receiver on the roster if he was still on yeah, it. Yeah, I think so. You know, so we don't have complimentary pieces. And, and let's let's bring up one more thing, because because one of the things that I've seen on the Twitters, especially, is that Tim Kelly is going to come in and he's going to have this wide open offense. Right. Did I did I skip? I hope I didn't skip to something ahead later on, but he's going to have Tim Kelly's going to have this wide open offense. We're going to be running this run and shoot like 1980s Houston Gamblers kind of offense with Jim Kelly. That ain't happening, yo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a nice idea, and that's what it should be. But until it happens, I don't see it ever happening. And especially whenever you consider the fact that Kelly has been, you know, he's had his diaper changed by O'Brien. O'Brien breastfed him. O'Brien taught him how to walk. O'Brien, you know, was with him every step of you know, his entire coaching career, going back to his time as a graduate assistant at Penn State. And so he's just an extension of Bill O'Brien, so Kelly is. He's not here to bring in some new, crazy, you know, wild ideas at all. He's just, again, like he's a tentacle coming off O'Brien is all he is. Yeah, and, and one of the really, like, really important thing about this is that, and, and you've made a great point, which I deeply appreciate of hitting this in your articles, is that we ran the type of offense we ran last year in order to protect the, or in 2019, in order to protect the defense, mm-hmm. right? Well, that's the, the defense, idea. Yeah, yeah. That's you the keep only that's the, the only good reason for the offense they ran last year. Right. Right. Well, and also fits in Bob's entire mold as far mm-hmm. as play calling offense. Well, in the offseason, the defense has actually gotten worse. So do you think Bill O'Brien's gonna go is gonna say, Hey, Tim Kelly, let's go score seventy points yeah. when the other team can score seventy points on us just as easily? The answer is no. So it's gonna be about ball control 
and it's going to be about keeping the other team's offense off the field. We're not going to open anything up with the defense being as trash as it is. Mm-hmm. Well, and ho- hopefully the idea is that they fall kind of like, you know, we fell in 2018 where it's kind of like you in a weird way, you wanted Houston to fall behind or be close right. in the third quarter because right. then they would actually start pushing the ball downfield. Like that win against the New York Jets on Saturday Night Football is a perfect uh-huh. example of that where it's like it's 13-10, it's the third quarter, and now they're pushing the ball downfield. Now the offense is this entirely different thing that you had envisioned it to be. So the Texans currently have Jordan Thomas and Aikens, Darren Fells, Kahali Waring, Kiki Cutie, Randall Cobb, Kenny Stills, Will Fuller, and DeAndre Carter on the offense. So like, do you see where uh, Cooks fits at all in this wide receiver group? Like, it, are you, are you, Whenever you close your eyes and see Brandon Cooks, what do you see him doing in this Texans offense? I can't visualize it. I can't even visualize it because I can visualize Will Fuller's role. But what you're missing is you're missing that complementary skill set from that DeAndre Hopkins gives you. So I can't when I when I look at the Texans and how they're going to run their offense next year, I I can't see it. Mm-hmm. And that does not fill me with any sort of like confidence whatsoever. Yeah. The best idea I have is I think he won't be used how he was in Los Angeles. So in 2018, Los Angeles, he was in the slot 70% of his routes. And, like you know, a lot of it has to do with Cup's injury where he had to play in the slot a lot more. But, again, like, one of the things that I really like about watching Cooks play uh, whenever I went back and watched the video was how he can run deep routes out of a slot like that. Like, it's it's really cool how he can run those out and ups and how he can get wide on those nine routes and stuff too. And so I don't really see him being used in the slot very much in Houston at all. Uh, because they have Randall Cobb and they, I think they're going to try to limit how much he you get shorter passes because of the concussions. I don't see the jet sweeps happening. I don't see the screen passes happening. I really don't see anything of that at all. Instead, if I had to guess, he'd be used how New England used him, where he was fourth and averaged up the target 16.5, had 46 deep target receptions, and he averaged 6.4 yards a target on those plays. And he was one of the five best deep receivers in football in 17 New England. And so that's the best idea I have whenever I think about how he'll fit in the, fit in with this team next year. Uh, yeah, it, I, sorry for the typing. My son's calling. Um, one thing I kind of keep going back to, and I don't like the logic behind it, but I think that they the Texans truly see Cooks as a number one kind of receiver. So you're not. So I agree that we're not going to see him in the slot, but I think they see him as a legit replacement for DeAndre Hopkins, and I think they're going to try to use him as such. So when he's talk about you know getting the ball down the field and and those sorts of things, I don't. I mean, once are we going to be 100% on Will Fuller being healthy again to do those sorts of things? We're going to let Brandon Cooks do that. Are we going to let Kenny Stills do that? These are the sorts of things that I don't see because Mm -hmm. I don't see Will Fuller playing more than five or six games. I don't see Will Fuller being on the roster opening day either. So there's that. So I don't know how they intend on using him. Look, Cooks has been a legit wide receiver one on the outside in his career. I'm not sure if he's that at this point of his career, but I think that's the role he needs to try to play. Anyway. Yeah. And he's like a, and it's weird because he's like a pseudo wide receiver number one. Like he right. puts up the stats of it, but the way he does it, isn't really what you have from it. And all those teams that he's been that like number one wide receiver, he's kind of just been like a, you know, part of a stable of other good receiving options too. Like he's never carried an offense at all. He's always been a complimentary piece and a really good offense. Uh, even going back to his time, in new Orleans, so they had Michael Thomas there too. So the big question I kind of have, and the thing I see from this trade is I don't think this trade is it. I don't see this trade as a finalization of anything. I think this is a trade before more moves happen. And, you know, even after this trade occurred, I just had Cal McNair in my ear, you know, talking about that little bug and how, you know, we got plenty of other good moves, a lot of things down the pipe. They're going to get the fans excited. And so I think this Cooks trade was one of those moves he was alluding to. I think the Texans had planned to trade for Cooks, and I think they had something in place. Uh, mainly they're waiting for the Rams to pay that roster bonus. So then, they could shed $4 million that salary this year, which went along with the thinking of this trade too. And so I think this is a trade that happens before other trades are made. So Will Fuller has a cap hit of $10.16 million. This is the fifth year of his rookie contract. Next year, he's going to be a free agent. And Stills is in the last year of his contract, and he's owed $7 million. So do you think Will Fuller's on the roster next year? No. 
I don't think Fuller's on the roster, and I don't even know if Stills is on the roster, which would be a, a crying shame. I, I, I so Brandon Cooks is on the Texans for two big reasons. I think. I think mm-hmm. it's because um, he has a long relationship with Jack Easterby, mm-hmm. and I'm not making fun of any religion, so please don't take it like that. But because he tweets Christian things, and that really excites Easterby. He 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 honks for Jesus. Yeah, so I, I see that that Brandon Cooks at this point was kind of destined to be on the roster, but I don't see um, I don't see how Still stays on, especially because Kenny Stills is an outspoken young man. I don't know how many baby mamas he got, but he better not be more than one. And I, I don't see Will Fuller necessarily being on the roster because he can't stay healthy. And, and yeah, I can't really blame the Texans for that one, though. I would give him a shot. I don't see either of those guys being around on opening day unless we keep trading our draft picks and we don't take anybody to replace them. Yeah, I think still stays on the roster because he's healthy. And I think Bill O'Brien's really tired of this whole, you know, will Fuller play? If he plays, he plays. And I have this entire game plan developed with him being on the field and he plays three places and he's out for the entirety of it. So I think Stills is here next year. I think Fuller is going to get traded though. And if I was running a football team and I could get Will Fuller for a third round pick as a scratch off ticket. I'd rather have full, you know, and then I had cap space as well too. Like I'd rather have Will Fuller than, you know, the ability to take Curtis Weaver or, you know, Bradley and Nye in this year's draft class. And so I do think Fuller probably gets traded and maybe he gets traded as early as, you know, the week leading up to the draft or Fuller could even possibly get traded for a veteran pass rusher or a veteran cornerback, or a veteran safety, because the Texans, again, had the 26th-ranked pass defense by DVOA. They had the worst short pass defense by yards allowed per attempt, and it's a pass defense that only allowed, that only added Eric Murray and Timmy Jernigan to it. And so that's still the big need entering this draft, too. So I could see Fuller getting traded for like a third-round pick or see him get traded for um, some sort of veteran help on the pass defense side. Yeah, and the other... The other hand of that, would we get a third round or would Bill O'Brien send him for a fifth or sixth? Well, that's true. Because well, what could he get for him? I, I just don't, I think he could, uh, I don't I th- think. I mean, he, I think like his mar- fuller's market value should be like a third round pick just based on like his talent and what he's shown before. And like, I would rather have Fuller as a lottery ticket than like a third round selection who may or may not be a starter. Like, I think it's a risk we're taking. But again, like what team is going to give the Texans team that who have been bamboozled out of every trade out there? But like, I think his fair market value would be a third round pick. But he has no con- he's not under contract. So you're giving away a third round pick for a guy who ain't tied up. But you can tag him next year if you need to, if he has a good season or whatever. You know, you're going you're gonna to tag. Yeah, I, but, I'm not I mean, sure. We're, but we're talking about also like Super Bowl tag-able. contending teams. Yeah, I mean, if he if he was healthy all last year and had fifteen hundred receiving yards and ten ca- ten touchdown catches in these seasons, you imagine whenever he's actually on the field. And also, if you're talking about a team that's close to contending, all these teams have a lot of mid round picks because they collect these picks from yeah. you know compensatory picks and those sorts of things, and right. they have an overabundance of them. And if like you're close to contention, somebody on a ten year ten million dollar contract for one year is the exact sort of contract that you want to take on, you know. I've got a question for you. You get to write all the questions. I got a question for you. Yeah. Why is Brandon Cooks the most traded person in football history? I don't know. I don't know. I think I think my best guess, well, my best guess is the fact that he's not like a number one wide receiver where he can carry entire offense on, on his own, but he's paid like one. And I think it's that and the fact that he's been able, if somebody offers you a first round pick, for a deep threat, it's kind of hard to give up in some situations too. And, um, and he's like good at this one thing. He's good at being like a really great deep receiver, but other parts of his game are lacking. I, I mean, I just can't get past the fact that the Rams are willing to take the biggest salary cap hit in NFL history to dump him. Yeah. Oh, I can see it though. They don't have any first round picks as the Ramsey trade. They're in salary cap hell. And they have to pay Cook. I mean, they have to pay Goff, you know, forty million dollars this year. They have to pay Aaron Donald twenty plus million. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do with Ramsey. And again, they need cost control capital because they don't have any. They don't have their first round draft picks, and they have an expensive roster. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, yes, there there is some logic behind it. I still, that's a hell of a penalty to pay, even if you're the Rams. That's still a hell of a penalty to pay. 
I mean, well, I, I mean, like Houston, it's they're kind of like I'm. I mean, a second round pick's a great pick for that trade, though. Like you think about Houston traded name redacted and included a six, second round pick along with it too, <laughs> and like obviously he wasn't useful at all. Like how Cooks is useful, but for the spot the Rams are in, like I don't think a team has to win a trade at all. I think both teams. I think Los Angeles benefited. Like this trade makes more sense for Los Angeles than it makes for Houston, and uh, I think this was a, a really like an easy decision for them to make. You know. I, and I agree with that. And here's the other reason I agree with that is I would far rather have number 57 than Brandon Cooks. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask you. So this is supposed to be a deep wide receiver class and the Texans traded number 57 overall uh, for Cooks. So like from a Houston perspective, would you rather have Cooks or pick number 57? There are so many things that go behind this. And here's the one thing that I cannot get past and that that is really starting to piss me off in every way yeah sorry i kind of cussed there you can't say that on fcc you can't say pissed off you can say pissed you can say you can't actually we i once got uh threatened with a fine by the fcc for that in 1980 1991 anyway um so uh well we're we're on open waters these are they have no they have no law here we're pirates you know that's true i'm I'm gambling behind me and there's filipino trannies everywhere it's Uh awesome Uh uh-huh Anyway, um, but what pisses me off is this is to me is yet another mortgaging the future to for the present for Bill O'Brien kind of deal um, is that we gave up. A, we, we got we had the 57 uh, pick. We traded it for an old dude with with concussion problems who I don't really see having a career much longer than two or three years. And I'd also like to go back and touch on that a little bit later. But we continue to mortgage the future. We traded the first and second round our first, second, and first for Laramie Tunsil, traded second round for Brandon Cooks. We got trash back from the Cardinals for DeAndre Hopkins. It's like the the Texans are actively trying to avoid taking high picks in the NFL draft. And I think that's because they damn well know they don't have the capability of scouting the players and making good trades. Mm -hmm. Look, look, that might be projection. That might be what I just see as an outsider. But why keep trading these guys? Because all the team is doing is getting older. It got faster for a change, but it keeps getting older at the expense of our team being better in the future. Mm-hmm. We're going to look back and we're going to see we traded all these first round and second round picks and we've got an older roster and it's going to be hurting, Matt. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. And I really think what the Texans are going to become, they're going to become the Los Angeles Rams or they're going to be in salary cap hell, except they won't have a Super Bowl appearance to show for it. It's even the difference between the two teams where you could see them in like 2023 having a dumb tonsil and try to rebuild around Watson. And really the biggest difference though is that, you know, Watson's a, a fringe top five quarterback and, you know, Goff isn't. Um, I, and like, I don't know, it's an interesting question to have though. Like, would you rather have the 57th overall picker Cooks? And this is a deep wide receiver class, but then you have to think about, well, if I draft him, is this guy going to be good or not? Which, you know, you really don't know. You don't know what you're going to get out Fuller, but at the same time, like, you don't know what you're going to get out Cooks, and so there's a lot of uncertainty involved with it. Personally, and then the contract as well, too. It's only $8 million this year. You can release him after the season. This could be a rental contract in a way, too, if it doesn't work out. Personally, I'd rather have pick number 57 than Cooks, and the main reason why is that you're about to pay Tunsil $20 million a year. You're about to pay Watson 35 to $40 million a year. You need all the cost control capital that you can get, and like if the DeAndre Hopkins trade was actually for money, then there's your source of like that second round pick is your source of cost control capital, where if you get a starter there, you pay him $2 million for four years and, you know, fine, I guess, whatever. It's not DeAndre Hopkins, but fine. You're able to mitigate some of the, the cap problems that you're going to have paying Watson and uh, Tunsil that much. And so the Texans don't have that all anymore. And again, the Hopkins trade was not about money. It never was. It was a locker room issue. It was a chemistry issue. It was how everyone you, you want to describe it like that. It was a disgruntled employee-employer relationship because Bill O'Brien, you know, isn't very good at dealing with people, especially whenever they're not on his side and in the doghouse and that sort of thing. And uh, and it wasn't a train made because Hopkins wanted a pay raise with three years left on his contract and no leverage at all. No, and I just can't. I can't underscore how terrible that trade was and how this, it was such a 
football teams should not be making personal decisions based on hurt fifis. And that's what Bill O'Brien did. Mm-hmm. And he's done before. And it's not the first time. Yeah. And he's made this, you know, and I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, even going back to Dwayne Brown, Dwayne Brown was a trade made like that. The Clowney was traded because of that. Hopkins was traded because of that. And, uh, and Tunsil was traded for because Howard can play tackle, Sharpen can play tackle, and Matt Khalil can play tackle. God. This, the, 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 I just cannot remember like a football team like the Browns went through quarterbacks for a while there like it was nothing and they might still depending on how Baker Mayfield you know develops or doesn't if he can stay in the pocket a little bit instead yeah. of being powered yeah and God Freddie Kitchens really messed with them this year too but I I just can't remember a franchise being as absolutely inept at making personnel decisions how the Texans have been the last couple of years mm-hmm. yeah I mean ever since I mean I think the since they drafted Watson. The only really great decision they made was drafting Justin Reed. Yeah, that's and it. And everything, and like even if like again, like I'll stand by the ranking pick being good. I'll stand by the Davenport pick still or whatever. But like they still mismanage their personnel on the entire offensive line, and a lot gets to the point that they're at where you know Kendall Lamb's your starting left tackle, and you know week five or whatever it came out to. Um, but yeah, I mean it's really been like since Watson, this entire thing has just been kind of you know, uh, a blizzard of shit since that point. And they're trying to do this weird thing where they're trying to compete while not necessarily not competing. competing. And they're like, just so like in between things, it's really, it's really weird. Like to not spend any money in free agency and then use trades as a way where you're giving up too much to acquire. You're like, you're give you're putting more out there than what you're getting in return constantly. And eventually it's going to hurt you. And you even go back to the Tensile trade last year. What made the Tunsil trade great last year is that they gave up zero current assets for that player. They gave up only future assets, and now here they are, and contracts are coming due. And now Hopkins all of a sudden is too expensive. Now, now that now Clowney was too expensive last year, and this is what happens to it. Now you lose that cost control capital, and now you have to do things to make up for it. And Hopkins isn't even a money money decision, but if it is, that's a direct result of the Larry Tunsil trade too. Yeah, those those future assets are now current assets. Yeah, it happened pretty quickly. The assets. Yep. And the other thing I don't get either is this idea that oh, we're a rebuilding football team or we're building a team. You can build a football team in an off season. It really it doesn't take that long. You can the contracts are very fluid. You don't have to be stuck to anybody at all. You can have one good draft class and can change your team entirely. And with how short the season is, the amount of variance that comes into it too. You can make an enormous jump in in win loss record immediately. We see it every single year, um, and so like I don't I don't understand that reasoning at all either. Like, there's not it's not baseball. It doesn't take six years to create to create a great football team. Well, I think what we see in the Brandon Cooks trade ultimately is that Bill O'Brien doesn't want to deal with the rookie. He doesn't want to deal with any level of uncertainty that he can't control, which is icy tape of Brandon Cooks as an NFL pro. Yeah. What we also see is that. He fits the 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 really super necessary at this point profile of being a good being the right person is the way I'm gonna say it. Being the right person. He doesn't Brandon Cooks doesn't have a merce. Yeah. You know? And and so I and then we don't know what the offseason is gonna look like either. Uh-huh. So I think what you see is Bill O'Brien trying to control what he control as well as he can. But the problem is, is that it's everything is a risk reward trade off. And Bill O'Brien has decided he's going to take the reward and he's going to piss it away in order to level set the risk as well as he can. And I think it's just an extraordinarily poor decision to do that. And it absolutely drives me up the wall. This is about Bill O'Brien being a chicken. Yeah, they they paid for certainty to a certain extent. So as long as Cook's brains work, you know, and his head works and, you know, the concussions are a long term effect. Um, this trade makes sense. And they because, are. Well, we don't. Know, I mean, we we can assume so, but we don't know for sure. You know, we know they are. The science, science but, is our I mean, friend. This, but I, I have no. I'm not going to say for sure about somebody's injuries what they have and don't have. The the my my medical knowledge expands to taking health freshman year of high school. <laughs> That's the extent of my medical knowledge. So who who knows what's going to happen as far as the head stuff goes? But really, like O'Brien went for certainty to a certain extent and turning groin calf strains 
<laughs> hamstring strains into this you know big loom this big looming even worse or injury and concussions for that Billy be like well at least I know I have this whenever I go to game plan unless you know he takes a bad hit again which can happen as early as week one or in the preseason or whatever and um, you know who knows what's going to happen as far as that goes just shaking my head that's all I can <laughs> that's fine uh, so in effect the Texans trade DeAndre Hopkins for Brandon Cooks David Johnson and the ability to move up 17 spots in the NFL draft. So what do you think? Did the Texans get the most out of the Hopkins trade? And would you rather have Hopkins or this assortment of players? So, so, uh, when I used to do fantasy baseball, this is what we would call a conglomeration of Shiza trade. <laughs> so I'm going to cuss in German. I don't know if the FCC knows German, but I'll cuss in German. This is what you, this is, I'm just going to keep throwing players at you until you give me what I want. And, oh, wait, my team got worse. And I think that's what the Texans did by giving up Hopkins for, for David Johnson and, and Brandon Cooks and, and moving up 17 spots in the second round. They, we traded Hopkins for a conglomeration of trash. Mm -hmm. There, I want to say it again. I want to really make sure I beat this point home. There are 50 guys in the NFL who can do what David Johnson does. There's, there's more. I, yeah, at least 50. Well, and also it's, it's not even that, but it's also, there's probably like 50 guys who, and even upcoming rookies, there's that many guys that you can also get to do what he does for like $1 million, you know? For a league minimum, yeah. Personally, Carlos Hyde's one of my least favorite players in the history of the franchise because last year we had to watch him run a first down over and over again, and then he turned down this contract extension, and now all of a sudden David Johnson's a three down back and all this sort of stuff. And I, I, you know, you don't want you don't root for a player to be bad or whatever, but like Johnson's gonna be very underwhelming last next year, and it has me very confused who you know hasn't bought into this because of his numbers in 2016. You know what I mean? Or they felt that Arizona didn't do what he does best, which is jump cut four years ago, you know? Because they try to run like stretch zone and things like that with him. It doesn't work out very well. But even like his his you know zone scheme, inside zone plays, he would run into safeties and he wouldn't run hard. And, and even like his receiving talent, most of that came in the slog against bad linebackers. Like he wasn't like a great swing route receiver. He couldn't break any tackles at all either. Uh, I, I mean, the Johnson trade is the worst part of this, you know? Getting cooks or whatever, I think... This trade is fine. I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's fine. Uh, like I understand why they made the trade, but it's not going to move the needle, you know, a whole lot this year. But it's an interesting trade. You know, personally, I'd rather I pick number fifty-seven than Cooks, but I can see the value of Cooks on this team and that certainty as long as his, you know, head's okay. Yeah, and it's so funny because when when Matt was saying it, I was making my fine, yeah, like big, the exasperated, <laughs> fine. <laughs> But, you know, I don't want fine. I'm tired of mediocrity. I'm tired of being a 9-7 quality team. I'm, I'm tired of it. You know, I'm 50 years old. I turned 50 this year. Hopefully I make it. It's only four and a half months away. And I, I, I've never had an NFL championship. Like the last Houston NFL, not NFL, AFL championship was 1961. Yeah. I wasn't quite around in 1961. And that's 60 years ago anyway. I'm tired of the mediocrity, and this to me is another. This has an, been an off season of um, cluster kitten, and this trade for Brandon Cooks is stupid, and mm -hmm. I, I can understand it. It's fine. I'd rather have number fifty-seven, but really, getting David Johnson on the team and asking him to do what we should have paid Carlos Hyde to do is Carlos Hyde is a much better fit. We saw it with Lamar Miller. I mean, look, there's really no difference between Lamar Miller and David Johnson in any way. But we're paying David Johnson whatever yeah, I see nine million dollars a year to do that. Like really, so the only the only benefit of Johnson's that you have a guy who, if he if it's first and ten, he you may throw, you, you may pass, you don't know. Whereas if <laughs> Hyde's in there on first and ten, it's like they're probably gonna run the football. But like that's the benefit. That's what you that's what you got out of David Johnson. And so why not start Duke Johnson? Yeah, I completely agree. Like Duke Johnson's one of the best receiving backs in football, and David Johnson's not that. And like Johnson's had one really great year. Like that's it. That's it. And I, I really feel like they pulled up Rick Smith's scouting reports, and it was like, wow, this guy's awesome. And here we are, four years later. Um, the other thing we're <laughs> I mean, about if it was, the 
if it was 2016, we'd be rocking the cat box with these oh, trades. Oh, hell yeah. Be, even, like, even Hopkins for pick number 57 after Johnson's 2016 season, that would even be a bad trade. Or pick number, <laughs> pick number 40, my mistake. 40 right. and 2016 Johnson, that would be a bad trade. Uh, 2020 Hopkins for pick number 40 and Johnson is you know one of the all-time uh, dumbest trades out there. So for the Texans draft that comes up in nine days or so, has this changed at all what you want to see the Texans do in the NFL draft? Are you still, are you all on the pass defense? Has any changed as far as you feel about that? Or even if they had two second round picks, are you rather than like, well, they should get an edge player and interior defensive line in the second round, or or now are you just like, yeah, they should go into your defensive line, for example? I'm going to say I think they need to go edge. I think we need not Whitney Merciless out there. I think we can get some IDLs a little bit later. Yeah. But I I haven't like been able to deep dive into the draft, so I don't want to pretend to be some sort of pro in what, we're, you know, what we should do. But the, the number one thing we need to focus on at this point in time is getting to the quarterback. I mean, again, I said it earlier, this defense is worse than it was today, is worse than it was in 2019, which is really saying something. But losing DJ Reader is a really big freaking deal. I don't care that we resigned Bradley Roby. I don't care at all. But Reader at least gave us the push for five games. We don't have that on the roster. I like Timmy Jernigan a lot. He's no DJ Reader. So we need to figure out a way to get to the cornerback, uh, quarterback early and often. If we don't, this is going to be a really terrible defense yeah it's i mean it's even it's hard to find guys who rush the passer right away in the draft like last year you know in the top in the first round you know, even Rashawn gary didn't do much montez sweat didn't do much uh you know josh allen was spectacular last year burns was really good but in the mid rounds the only guy who really made impact rushing the passer is you know max crosby and that was really kind of it whenever you think about those mid he can play the run at so. all um uh, yeah but you know who cares yeah, but like really. it's it's hard to it's hard to find guys immediately. I'm kind of I like the idea of an interior defensive lineman just because they need somebody who can push the pocket. Because if they don't, Woody Merciless doesn't do anything, and Merciless is going to play 98 percent of the snaps next year. And so I think having they're gonna they're gonna have to have a guy who can drive the pocket like that. And the edge prospects, I mean, like Bond, I think is really kind of like I think he's a he's a he's a high floor guy. I don't really see the ceiling with him. I love Marlon Davidson mainly because nobody's ever played football like him before. But uh, I'm 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 watching interior defensive line. I'm gonna start tomorrow, but that's where I'm leaning towards in the second round still too. But I would rather have a chance to take a interior defensive lineman and an edge defender in the second round than have Cooks on this team. You know, totally, totally, because we could have gotten a wide receiver who can do things in the third or the fourth i mean mm -hmm. a lot of good drafting teams can do that we yeah. don't and it's supposed to be an all-time great wide receiver class too right and oh, oh i just want to say i am in deep love with cd lamb i just absolutely adore the dude yeah i just i've just seen that same clip of him breaking 17 tackles against ut oh uh, that's I what just... you see all over twitter right now i just think he's going to be fantastic i think he's going to be uh odell Beckham good Interesting. Yeah, I'll, what I usually do at the draft is I watch everybody Houston has a chance to take, and then I'll go back and watch the other guys in the first round just so I have an idea of, like, feel. Like, okay, well, he's playing for this team, so he fits in this role, and, you know, this makes sense, you know. Like, I would, I, I don't watch Washington, but if Chase Young goes to Washington, I'll have to have to watch the Redskins next year because him, Sweat, Han, they have that other um, pain and then you'd have you'd have Thomas on there too and Kerrigan. That's a lot of fun. That's a fun football team. They're going to get to the quarterback. Yeah. And that they're all young too and they can yeah. just they I mean they're going to be the 49ers in 2 years, you know. <laughs> Except how then they can always trade for a quarterback if Haskins is whatever. Um so that's that's enough of that. So let's get to some of our listener questions tonight. The first one's from at Sammy Bissett. Uh, BFT, who is the breakout offensive player watched this year since you know 60 to 70 percent of the offense might actually be broken by week 11. <laughs> I love that question, by the way. I saw that. I don't even know how to answer this. I, I, I would like to say, I would like my answer to be, is how I'm going to put this. I would like it to be Kenny Stills because I think he has enough talent to do a lot of damage. I mean, he, 
Kenny Stills, uh, Brandon Cooks, when he came out of Oregon, ran a four three three forty. So did Kenny Stills. Like Kenny Stills has a lot of that skill set. So I would love to see him be the guy. And I also because I think he's he has badass within him. And so I, that's who I'm I'm overtly rooting for, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, mine, of course, is Kahali Waring. He's, <laughs> he's so hot, and he has that beautiful smile, and uh, he has like you know ten abdominal mus- muscles. And I mean, like his college video, I really enjoyed. Like I thought he could be a good blocker. He can actually stretch the seam. Um, I've kind of spent a lot some of this time working from home from like watching stuff while I work. So I've been watching like a bunch of like coaches clinks videos. And they talk about how important it is to defend the deep middle and defending the hashes and how much space the safety needs to be to be able to make throws off where they can make plays, the sideline stuff. And they don't have that. And I think, you know, if they have a guy who can stretch the seam, um, this whole vertical passing idea offense makes a lot more sense. But I don't expect Warren to even be on the team by, you know, August or whatever. But that's who I'm hoping and praying for. I, I like that take. I don't think it's realistic, but he he absolutely needs to be. Like, I think he can block his, his fells immediately this year. Well, so you know? can I. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> I, I could just be a speed bump. Yeah. Do you just run, like, dive at people's legs, you know? <laughs> just pick a hip and, and let it and slingshot it. I totally need more concussions. The next question is from Carlos Flores at CLF 961205. Make sure to give him a follow. He's more than a friend of the podcast. He's a, he's a blood brother now and writes for the website. He asked, the offense seems to be built for speed with his current lineup. If you swapped out Brian with other play callers from the league, what kind of results could you expect? I.e. B. Enemy, Harbaugh, Shanahan. Kevin Gilbride. <laughs> Who's that? He's one of the run and shoot architects. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that's who I would want running this team. It's somebody of that mindset, somebody who's going to, who's going to give us four verts and or three verts and a couple of crossers. And he's going to create a lot of havoc. I just, I would absolutely love to see somebody like that who just, who's going to do thing, good things with, um, you know, one running back, four wide receiver sets. It just, yeah, that's who I'd want. Yeah, Houston should never have a tight end lined up on the line of scrimmage next year. You no. know what I mean? They shouldn't. Like, make them play in the slot or put them in, like, a flex wing position or even put them in the backfield, you know? There's so many... They shouldn't be running any sort of, like, tank personnel or anything like that. Uh, I, I mean, I love the enemy. That's my, that's my wet dream for if O'Brien actually does get fired and they go out there and find somebody else. That's, that's who I'm holding out for and hoping for one day. But he'll just end up coaching like the Bengals next year anyways. Um, the next question is from at Smith Grandma. How many weeks until Bob resumes play calling duties? Zero. I, I just don't even think he's really going to give up the play calling duties. I don't at all. I don't have yeah. any faith in that happening. I'm going to say week four. I think they're going to be like, or maybe week, either week four or week five. They'll be like one and three or something like that. And then he's going to talk in the media about how, you know, he feels more comfortable doing this job. And Kelly's doing a heck of a job. Uh, I feel I really trust in this position, but you know there's some changes that we need to make, and it starts with me. You know he needs. I, you know O'Brien needs. Yes, I, hate, I, I know hate, a lot of things. He I, needs. I hate I hate referencing Harry Potter mainly because like Harry Potter's you look now. Like, you look like Fred. And no, George. oh, I did one of those stu- <laughs> I did that stupid like character test. It's like who are you? And I got Hagrid. It really made me mad. <laughs> Because I'm just like living in a hut with all this hair with my dog, you know. But um, uh, do you see your own camera? By the way, I just want you to. Yeah, I know what I look like. Uh-huh. I know what I look like. But I hate because it it's like every single millennial they find they reference like bad or good things to Harry Potter. So I hate making references like this. But he needs that hourglass that Hermione has, so she can go like 15 different classes. That's what, I don't care what it's called, but that's what Bill O'Brien needs. I can't remember. Damn, I should. I'm a total Harry Potter geek, and I can't remember. So, this is another question from Smooth Grandma. Let's play over-under real fast. You ready? Uh-oh. Charles Omanehu sacks four and a half. Yay! I'm going to go over. I'm going to say under. Jacob Martin sacks six. Under. I I would say I'd push. I'd say six exactly. 
Lonnie Johnson quarterback rating against 109.5. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, I'm going to take the over on that one. Yeah, I, I'll take the over too. Uh, I, I, I really have enjoyed the Lonnie Johnson footwork clips. Footwork, but yeah. <laughs> because it's like the stuff I would do. If, like, if I was trying to learn how to play cornerback, I would, those are the type of footwork drills I'd be doing, you know, as I try to learn how to play the position. Um, not you're like 24 a, years old. Yeah. Well, I'm older than that, but I'm not a second round pick who is, you know, who's six foot one and whatever. Uh, JJ Watt games played six. I'm going to take eight, the over on eight, that. eight. He has eight. I'll still take the over on that. Will Fuller 11. Under. I'd say under, under. Games played before Jonathan Joseph signed to be a starting cornerback for. Oh God! You're gonna put me on suicide watch. <laughs> uh, five. Yeah, he has four. I'm gonna say under. Times Watson's caught staring O'Brien with murder eyes per game. Six. <laughs> Love it. Yep, I'll go with that. Yeah, I'll go but, at least six. Over. Yeah, it's gonna be like third and eight. He's gonna have nowhere to go with the ball. And then he's just gonna throw it. I'm be like, yeah, that that should have been DeAndre over there. Or like whenever Cooks runs a sideline route, he gets squeezed, or he runs a fade and gets squeezed to the sideline, and that's his only option, and he can't go up and catch it. Yep. Uh, this is from good friend, uh, good pal of mine at T Schmidt seven two three. What is an ideal rest of the Texans offseason looks like if everything went the way you draw it up? He asked us, of course, before the the Cooks trade. I mean, I've only got one answer to that, and I'm probably anybody who's listening to the podcast knows it's get rid of Bob. Oh, oh, there was an article, uh, it was <laughs> Athletic or somebody, that Bill O'Brien on the hot seat with all these horrible trades. It's like, no, he's not. He's not at all. On the no, hot he's seat. not going anywhere. They he's would have to anywhere. go. And like, like I mean, we we did the conference call. The first thing he does is say the cows are great. McNair, the McNairs are great. I love them very much. They would have to go four and twelve, and even then, that probably wouldn't do it. No. Yeah. Uh, so uh, to answer your question, I, I think we need to go into the draft looking for help on the defense. Let's not even bother with the offense at this point. If we took, if every one of our draft picks was defensive, I would be good with it. Yeah, I agree too. make them all defense. And then if you had a trade Will fuller, um, give them a, get a third round pick or get some sort of veteran pass rusher, or even like just sign it, sign like Claiborne or Marcus golden, you know, there's a few guys out there. I think Golden's gone. I thought Golden was gone. He's, I don't room? think so. I think okay. everybody's waiting until after the NFL draft to sign. The next question is from at Lynn underscore Cooper. What are the odds Bill tries to turn the card of a player already drafted? And this is going to be through Zoom, <laughs> which is going to be fun too. Also, I was cracking up when Carlos was like, uh, tell, and maybe it wasn't Carlos, it was somebody on Twitter said, make sure to tell Bill O'Brien. Oh, no, it was, uh, it was Eddie. And he said, I def I guarantee you when they do the mock draft, O'Brien's gonna put in players that he likes, not understanding it's a mock draft. <laughs> so I'm, a, I'm gonna put the odds here at you know or I I'm gonna put the odds at sixty five percent, but I think he's gonna draft somebody he could have got undrafted in like the third round more than anything because he's such a hard worker and um he lives in the age of Pisces. I just I, I can't I don't see good things happening with the Texans drafting via Zoom. I don't. I think it's going to be a hilarious joke. <laughs> it's going to be fun to watch Kai anyways. It's just going to be a fancy draft uh, to begin with. The next question is from at Steph Stradley. You know, world hey, famous Steph. Houston Texans fan. Uh, do a true facts breakdown of the BR Texan cartoon. What was spot on? What could be added? What was not right? <laughs> uh, my my favorite thing about it, and I, I think it was... My favorite thing about it for sure was whenever Bill O'Brien's talking to Sean Watson and he's like, uh, well, no, I, I mean, the general manager made this decision. He's like, you are the general manager. It's like, yeah, about that quickly moves on. Because every single time Bill O'Brien's been mentioning the general manager, he refuses to acknowledge the fact that he is and says we have a lot of guys working very hard because it's not like that's how NFL operations work at all whatsoever. I thought it was great. I think that's the single best thing that Billy Shriver Report has ever done. Like, period. And I, I think the only thing I didn't like about it is O'Brien had too much hair. Way too much hair. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, he could have used a bigger chin. Yeah. I, know, I also liked that leadership is yelling really loud at people. Uh-huh. That was an important one, too. Yeah, always. Especially so, with Bill. 
our, our last viewer question tonight was from at Captain Ron. I didn't understand this question. He was referencing something I've never seen before. But he asked, glass or plastic? Glass or plastic? Because if O'Brien keeps running the Texans franchise into the grand ground, you'll be either writing about more broken glass energy or how much less plastic people are using to buy tickets and logo gear. Both. I'm, guess- I, I'm guessing... I don't know. Are they going to throw stuff at the stadium or stop going to the stadium? Which would happen first? Oh, uh... Those are kind of the same thing? Well, it's like... Are they going to just ignore the team entirely or are they going to go there and you know, flip cars over and flip trash cans over and uh, throw bottles at the stadium? Take it more of a violent approach. No, nah, that's not a use. Violence is not really a use of thing at this point in time. I don't think they're going to do that. Yeah, I could. I don't. I mean, I think if like it's week five and they're one and four, people may stop going. You know. I hope Even so. Then, I don't. I, I, mean, I don't know. Everybody keeps. Going. I mean, that, that's my hope and dream is that this team is so bad that people stop going and Calumetner actually cares. Yeah. Isn't that terrible? Yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't go that far. I kind of I've I've thought about it to myself like what I would like to see this team do poorly so Brian gets fired. But I mean Watson's so spectacular that you know every every season's a gift even if it can be a pair of socks sometimes. And uh, I wouldn't want to see anything bad happen to Watson. Right. Yep. Even if, even if, I'm not a utilitarianist whenever it comes to the Texans. Yeah. Agreed. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I guess I'll go. I'll go plastic and they'll kind of stop going. Maybe if it's like week, I mean, even that 13 season, they still went when they were two and 14, you know? Yeah. But the team wasn't even as bad as that team was. It still wasn't a dumpster. I, I think the team ter- that yeah, we put out there today team. is, yeah. Is it more of a dumpster fire than it was in 2013? Except for, crazy. except for the quarterback position. Right. One position. Yeah. That's pretty much the only thing that's different. Yeah. So, I don't know. You have anything else at all? Um, I kind of do. I kind of do. I would just like to say that that this team, like, because uh, uh, I can't remember who sent it out. Somebody sent it out, but we're gonna have a thread on it in a day or two. Is is talking about kind of undoing what the Texans have done, and and I think that this team really started to unravel at when Joint Brown was traded for peanuts. I think that since that trade, this team has just been unraveling itself and has put non-football important things as a requirement over being a good football player. Mm -hmm. And we're not talking about guys like, you know, who are going out and and murdering people like stabbing a linebacker. We're talking about Dwayne Brown. We're talking about Clowney. We're talking about uh, Hopkins now. Like these guys aren't committing felonies kinds of things, but we're getting rid of them because they don't fit the, Texans style and that is not the way you build a football team yeah no I agree with that it really has been a Dwayne Brown butterfly effect and um, that's something that I for sure want to write probably in, in May or so after the draft's over and I'll have to watch you know Jordan Elliott and that sort of thing oh watch uh, a Gilmore I don't know Blaylock from TCU I'm excited to watch that guy but uh, yeah I, I agree with you on that I, I just can't believe what this team has been reduced to as far as its personnel decisions. It's it depends. It seems to be on who Jack Easterby we retweets. That seems to be who we're dependent upon to build this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, and he had been retweeting Cooks for like two years now, and now here he is, and Hopkins is gone, and everything else. Uh, and then it was also weird too because they've been linked to David Johnson even going back to last year. You know, if he was on the trade block and the Texans were sniffing around, there were some kind of like rumors like that about it too. Like Bill O'Brien knows, knows what to do with David Johnson. Like Bill O'Brien knows, knows what to do with Brandon Cooks. I don't think anybody I mean, knows what to do with David Johnson now. Yeah. Like at, least, at least get Kenyon Drake out of the deal, you know? At right. least get Kenyon Drake. He at fit. least get somebody can play football. Okay. But Johnson's tough, smart, dependable. Randall Cobbs from a blue-collar town, Kentucky. He's tough, smart, and dependable. But it never ends. Um Cooks, maybe. Who knows how his head goes. And I guess Fuller's not tough, smart, dependable. So that's where I think Fuller goes and still stays. And uh, maybe they draft somebody who's tall or whatever. Who knows? Maybe Jay- maybe uh, Jalen Strong can come back and play here and <laughs> stop selling marijuana at legally in California, whatever it is he's up to. 
I think that's what he ended up doing after he retired. He started his own like uh, medical marijuana thing or something like that. But good, good for him. Yeah, good for Jalen. So that's our show for tonight. We'll be back on later this week to talk interior defensive line prospects uh, with Texans thoughts and probably Kenneth. And that should be a fun one. That's my most excited. I'm most excited to watch that position because I think that's the best way this defense can improve next year is if they can get somebody who can rush the pass from the interior, which is something I've been saying for. I guess like two or three years now or so. Uh, so that will be fun. We'll do that later this week. And then the NFL draft is going to happen next week. And we'll have plenty of stuff uh, on the website, on the podcast for, I guess, the next three weeks or so, you know? Yep. I'm going to go start looking at quarterbacks, hopefully tonight. <laughs> It'd be fun. Let Just me know, do my thing. Let, yeah. Uh, let me know what you think of Herbert and Love. Yeah. Because I, I think yeah, Tua and Burrow are going to be great. As long as Burrow's just not older than everybody and Tua doesn't get hurt. But um, I think they'll go one in five. I, I think you're right. Yeah. I don't really see. I, I would. I mean, the biggest thing is accuracy. And if you look at the accuracy numbers to the other two guys, they're just too inaccurate, you know? And Herbert threw a lot of screens, and he was even he was pretty inaccurate in catchable balls. I haven't looked at any numbers. I do that every year on purpose. Yeah. We'll have fun. Yep. Uh, I'll be, I'm excited to read your little mock ups for it. But until this weekend. I'm Matt Weston. Thank you for listening to Balbert Radio. Are you changing over the weekend? No, this weekend we'll be back. (laughs) Until this weekend, my name is Until this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Until this weekend. (laughs) That's who I am. Uh I should. I should. I'm going to come out of this quarantine, you know, with a new new name. and. You need to shave. Yeah, a new face. I'm going to come out of this quarantine ugly and then handsome. But uh, we'll be back on sometime this week. Thank you for listening to the show tonight. Thank you for being on Stop BFD. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.